Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Lisa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks man. How are you? Good, thanks. Good, good, good. Hooded up. Always. Good weekend? Really great, thanks. Lovely, lovely. Nice. Um, traditional Berlin weekend where one night is just spent in doing nothing and the other night is spent out, out, out. <laughs> Redacted. Yes. <laughs> hey, speaking of Berlin, Stefano Pioli was burgined up this weekend. Did you see him in the Torino game? Didn't know. Black oh. tee, untucked, bit of a wide neck, black black jeans. Was Bad result. Like was about to... I don't think we will be hanging on to that, res- that, that, that outfit for a while. Bad result. Straight there. from Trezor to Turin. Anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Uh, some really, really horrible shit going on around the world at the moment. So we hope anyone who is affected by what's going on is, is okay. Congrats to all our Brazilian friends. That is one good thing that happened this weekend. Yes, it and, is. Uh, yes. I've seen that Neymar gif during the rounds. Yeah, I got um, uh, an amazing voice note from a friend of mine. Amazing voice note. And just like, they had to really fight for democracy in Brazil. They had to really fight for it. Yeah, and an ongoing struggle. They, you know, they've really done the work. So yeah, congratulations to them. On that note, what was the movie we watched? Democracy in Black and White. Yes. An amazing Brazilian movie about Corinthians, democracy. And Socrates doing incredible work. Yes. Go watch it. Football. It's like, the Venn diagram of everything Musa like, like if someone was going to make a movie based on like a Musa Okwonga algorithm, yeah, it's basically that movie. There was even spoken word in there. <laughs> Corinthians, eighties Brazil, Socrates, Lula, politics, uh, amazing soundtrack, all in one movie. And Musa was just like, we 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 watched it a few weeks ago. We were at this uh, thing in Paris, and I I I wasn't sure Musa was going to make it. Yeah, it's just like, this is it. I find it, you know, it's, it was almost like, I, f- I didn't know that this was what I've it been was looking possible. for yeah. the whole time. And now I shall pass on. I remember because I think I, I, was like, more to I, give I this knew life. it was possible. I was, like, I was looking, I was like, I knew there was a point to all of this. I know this stuff. I knew this stuff works. Like there's a, yeah. it's so powerful, but yeah, it's beautiful. Incredible film. Go and watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Democracy in black and white. Yeah. Any admin to do? Right house this week, you and I? Yeah, that's right. Look out for ringer.com forward slash soccer as well, because I'm writing uh, stuff about the World Cup. You'll be writing stuff yeah. too. Uh, I've yeah. just put up a, a messy essay. There's another one coming up in the next few days that I'm working on at the moment. Nice. So yeah, please stay tuned Back for that. I can agree. Yeah, very much uh, so. When's the 1200 words on Tony Cross's red card coming? Oh my goodness. I know you want to do that. <laughs> the look on his face. The look on his face was just like, fucking finally. And he's like, they got we'll me, t- they got me, they got me. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, anyway, today's show, we're going to do a quick roundup of some stuff outside of Europe and then we will we will turn our attentions to the Premier League because oh I hate it when it does this that ghastly Premier League when it dominates our attention a few Main weekends in energy. a row oh Premier League was on one it was on one this weekend for sure we're going to save the Super League for Wright's House 
Uh, we'll probably save most of the Arsenal chat for Righty's House as well because I, I think there may be an Arsenal player getting flowers. Mm. But uh, yeah, you and I are going to be on Righty's House this week. We are indeed. Um, all right, man. But anyway, let's go to South America. Yes. So Palmeiras beating Boca Juniors 4-1 in the final of the Copa de Bortes Femenina. It's their first win. 4-1 win. Uh, very authoritative and just wonderful for them. And in the men's uh, final, Flamengo beat Atletico Paranaense 1-0. Gabi goal. Gabi goal. So it's brilliant. Someone tweeted, I think it was the Flamengo account, tweeted, these are the only two people to have scored in the final for Flamengo, Zico and Gabriel Barbosa. Gabi goal. So they've yeah, won scored two a couple of years ago. Two of, yeah, yeah. two and f- yeah, two, uh, no, two they and won, four. They won in 20 and 22, I think. Two and four, second final in a row. Oh, right. Okay, right. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, obviously winning after losing last, last year to Palmeiras in the final. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was, oh, I love, do you know what I love about Copa Libertadores finals is there's always, there are always players in there who are usually from South America who have gone back to unfinished business. Kind of like complete, complete the end of their careers, right? And like, yeah. you know, Felipe Luis coming off injured, unfortunately, yeah. for Flamengo. Unless, um, I mean, they won. But obviously, David Luis there, he's won like the Libertadores now to go with his Champions League. Yeah. Gabby Gold gets his second. And quite, yes. And yeah, and actually quite poignant, very poignant for Luis because the work he's done on a social level. Yeah. That is, that is a special human being, David Luis. Mm. Yeah, he's done the work. Um, so yeah, Flamengo winning the men's Copa Libertadores. And that's a good week for, they won the Copa de Brazil last week. And yeah. uh, then the Libertadores this week. And then, yeah, Palmeiras winning the women's. Uh, let's go to North America. Because yes. in the US... The Portland Thorns won their third NWSL championship, which is more than any other side. Um, they beat Kansas City current 2-0 on Saturday. Um, Sophia Smith with old just a cool finish. as fuck celebration. Old school well. finish. Old school as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we might be doing something about the Ronaldo documentary, let's say, the phenomenon. This was very... Phenomenal-esque. Yeah, this finish very much bringing order to chaos. Uh, the through ball actually, the goal wasn't the best, but the finish was spectacular. They were just very good value for this Portland Thorns. It was a great stat that they had brought up. Um, the commentator said 20 of their 49 goals this season have come in the 15, first 15 minutes of the match. Yeah. Wild. The only team that, that starts that fast in world football is Napoli. The only other team that starts that fast <laughs> is Napoli, I would say. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like those teams that just come out at you like, I don't know, Brighton were pretty Ferocious. good in the Premier League on the weekend. Oh, we're going to get to that. Oh my, God, right. oh, my God, um, Brighton. I <laughs> know. Oh uh, Addison Merrick got, uh, was it, with an own goal for the second for Portland Thorns. But they were, such, like you said, there was such good value for the, for the, um, for the win. Mm. And they just, I mean, possession was pretty balanced, but in terms of what the two sides created with that possession, Portland yeah, was Yeah, exactly. So it was the passing. It was like, it was the transitions. They absolutely mm. just were brutal on the transitions. They really they got were. Them the final third. So not just it wasn't just into the final third. It was the quality of chance they were creating. Yeah. Mm. Um. So congrats to the Thorns. Yeah. After yeah. A, a you know a really difficult period for the for the NWSL and women's football in general in America, right. it was it was just good to see some joy brought to the players for a change. Yeah. In MLS, oof, they've only gone and done it. Musa, LAFC have got through to their first final. After beating Austin FC three 0 uh, Christian Arango gave the gave LA the lead. Uh, Max Aruti came on. That's so sad. He came on in the sixty first minute. Got an own goal in the sixty second, and then uh, Quadbo Apoku sealed it with ten minutes to go for LAFC, and um, they are going to go through to. Well, they won the West. I loved. Do you know what I loved about this as well? Chiellini being interviewed with one of those like Western Conference champions hats and T shirts on. <laughs> it was just so good. It was just so good. So good. I just, I might get that on a t-shirt, actually. That him being I might get a t-shirt that, yeah. with Chiellini wearing the t-shirt and the hat on a t-shirt. There's something about seeing a player like Chiellini enjoying a new adventure that's quite special, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, that's, I know MLS gets a bit of disrespect because of players going there from Europe at the end of their careers yeah. or towards the latter stage of their careers. But it is such a, it is such a great way it's to, huge to play, to continue it's playing amazing. football. Yeah, yeah it's for amazing. sure. And there'll be a point where the league is way too good for those players to do that. And they'll actually have to come at the peak of their careers. But I do think you're shifting it. You're actually- and for now, you get to watch, yeah. And for now, you get to watch Killini in your league. 
Like, oh my God. Like, and also Vela, like at such a high level for so long, he's actually one of those players, actually, because Vela took his peak to the MLS and excelled there. Mm. He's one of the players that's responsible for its growth because that yeah, level okay. of quality, he could have taken that anywhere. And I love that actually. I love that he just stayed there and built something. So LA are going to play Philadelphia Union, who came from a goal down to beat New York City FC 3-1 in the Eastern Conference Final. Maxi Morales gave New York City FC the leads and then uh, Julian Carranza and Daniel Gazdak in two minutes, three minutes, turned the game in the favour of Philadelphia Union and then uh, Corey Burke sealed it with a quarter of an hour to go. And that was that. LA versus Philly final. That's going to be some good, yeah, nilly, some good needle there. Yeah, yeah. Bonfire night in the UK. So there will be no doubt fireworks. In there the he is. Cup final. There you go. <laughs> Elsewhere, very quickly, it was the under 17 Women's World Cup. It was. Spain winning the final, 1 0 against Colombia with a Zapata own goal in the 82nd minute. Amazing for Spain, obviously, but the real kind of like nice moment from this came in the aftermath of the third place playoff. Uh, between Nigeria and Germany. Nigeria beating Germany on penalties. and But both sides came together afterwards, swapped shirts, and there was a lovely video going around of them dancing together afterwards. Yeah, it's lovely. Which lovely. I just thought was really nice. Two great sets of players on their way to something exciting, but enjoying the journey as well. Beautiful. Well, it's an interesting thing here from a Spanish point of view, because obviously with everything that's going on with the senior team, yeah. or has been going on with the senior team, to see this younger next generation come through mm. and winning the Under-17 World Cup, that's... Um, that's they may a lot of those players may be called upon sooner than had than may, many had anticipated. But it's also quite poignant because it's like this, you know, the winning machine of Spain's women's football in Spain. It there's a real danger that will be taken for granted, mm. isn't there? Like if you're if you've got an administration that's basically done or got away with what they've got away with, and you're looking at the women's teams winning lower down the order in terms of the teenagers, mm. it's. What's the incentive to, to change that? That's the thing that worries me so much, that, it, that their success gets taken for granted. And to me, I look at it and think, well, they just can't fail the next generation of, of players. Like by the time these lot come to senior level, they, they can't be failed again. Mm. But anyway, yeah. But um, great win for them. Very poignant to see that. And uh, yeah, I, I saw when you see Spain winning, like, goodness, this, this is going to be 100 years of dominance, isn't it? When will it end? When will yeah, it end? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, take a quick break and then we'll get on to the Premier League. Yeah. All right, man. Would you like to begin by joining me on this uh, hell of a trip that they've got going on on the South Coast? I think it has to start with Brighton. I think it has to. It has to. Because... <sighs> Brighton 4, Chelsea 1. Yeah, what, what, what does Zerbi unleashed? What Brighton unleashed... I think I might have mentioned this before on the podcast, but many years ago, I went to see my uncle in, in Houston and I came out of the airport and it was gray overcast. And I was like, oh, it can't be that. Oh, it says 46 degrees Celsius and it can't be. And I walked out and it was like walking into the face of a blowtorch. And the Brighton press against Chelsea was, it was a swarm. Like just the relentless, one Chelsea player's coming out oh no, I'll go after you, and then you, and then you, and by the end, you're just so disorientated, you don't know which is north, west, south, or east. Yeah, I was going to say, do you know what? It was ironic that it was a Saturday afternoon, because it felt like the episode of Game of Thrones, The Long Night. <laughs> it did feel like, the, it was The Long Night, actually, you're right, completely that. Brighton was spectacular. I think what was interesting about this game was, there's a couple of things, I think first of all, uh, we'll give Brighton credit in a second. Um, Chelsea, I would say, I didn't realise just how much in transition Chelsea were or are until I saw this game. The thing about Brighton that's so good is that not only they're a brilliant team, they beat you in a way that really, really exposes your weaknesses. There are some teams that beat you, they might sit deep and grab something, but Brighton are like, no, there's gaps and there's problems that you have. And by the end of this 90 minutes, everyone in the league that's been paying attention will be fully aware of what all of them are. And I just thought the way that they raided in packs, normally like two. Oh, there's an interesting thing about this, right? So normally duos, I, I have yeah, a theory, sense. Like if you look, yeah, totally. But like, if a side concedes one own goal, then it can be down to luck often. But if, if it, concedes, it concedes two own goals and two consecutive own goals. Yes. Yes. It's, 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 signal, it's signaling that like, they was just like, there's too many of them. There's too many. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Ah. <laughs> 
They and induced they, actual I, I, panic. I, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but yeah, it felt like Chelsea were... Well, Brighton caused Chelsea to panic. And, yeah. and when Leandro Trossard's got that first goal, which came after only five minutes, and this is the thing about this, it felt like they had been going on for ages. That's how much <laughs> the early onslaught was. So and it was stressful. only five minutes. It, it was, was stressful. Just, it was I was stressful. watching that. I was watching the game live. And because um, uh, it, it was on in Germany live. And I was just like, how has it only been five minutes? If it genuinely felt like I'd been watching a, like a battle scene. I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not laughing at Chelsea fans. I'm not, do you know what it is? No, it's just that, but I mean, it it's like that, any, this could have happened to anyone in the last five well, games. Like it, it, it literally did happen to, to us as a Man United fan. They did us four nil. And I was watching that. And I was just thinking, is that old meme? It was like, you know, first time. <laughs> Getting cooked well, by the thing Brighton. Is, for Chelsea fans, it is the first time because it's yes. the only, it was the only side that out of that top, what, five, six, I think mm. the Graham Potter didn't beat in yeah. his time there. Or Brighton have, Brighton have never beaten Chelsea in the league, I don't think. Yeah, and, and to um, beat them like this, you know, can I just say this, the way that, I've got to say, uh, huge credit to uh, Mitoma in particular. Mitoma's pressing was absolutely spectacular, aside Trossard. So it was one of those ones where it was almost like Mitoma would like shake the apple tree mm. and then Trossard would catch the fruit time and again, time and again. And you saw it with Chaloba, you saw Thiago Silva very early on playing a bad pass out and apologising and like making up for it. Yeah. Because he was His like, it's not- was unbelievable. So, yeah, but it was, but it was like, it's not safe to put it there in the mix. It's not safe to put it there. You saw Chaloba scoring the own goal at the near post because he had to get ahead of Trossard because you know that in those spaces, it's not just that Trossard is a poacher, it's that he can hold the ball up in that space and advance into that space. So now you've got, you just don't know where the threats are coming from. And then you've got Marsh, uh, Sonny March pushing high up. The thing about Brighton is it's such a spectacular club to play for because everyone in that 11 has got like a specialist role. It's not that the players in the Brighton team aren't brilliant, don't get me wrong. It's that there's a ton of agents around Europe going, I have a player who's perfectly suited to that. And there's no reason, there's no reason why Brighton can't keep doing this for years because everyone well, they bring in to replace previous players, like look at yeah. Matoma's role, for example, there's a ton of players that can play that role to that high level, I think. Um, that makes sense. It's just yeah, so yeah, well definitely. arranged. The system is so well arranged that you can keep changing the parts and the quality will still be there, I think. I mean, they had a tricky week leading up to this as well. Like a number of players went down injured or had late yeah. fitness tests. Tarek Lamptey was ill, ended up managing to be on the bench. Like Dennis Undav was on the bench as well. Like uh, Leandro Trossard coming, like, coming in as a number nine. But I think that <clears throat> the thing that I just found really interesting is that I'm not sure if De Zerbi would have known this before the game, but seeing Kukurea and uh, Chalaba as the right and left side as centre-backs mm. and deploying Marsh and Matoma as the right, as the wide side, uh, as the wide players, mm. but tucking them in just caused Chelsea absolute havoc along that back three yeah. because it just meant that, um, was it Esther Penan? Yeah. And, and Pascal Brilliant. Gross just ran havoc. They had so much space to run into because... Again, whether this was by accident or by design, Pulisic and Sterling were not doing the jobs of like that you need wing backs to do in a defensive sense because they're just not that defensively minded. That's not a massive, like, I'm not slagging them off by any means. If anything, the criticism lies with Graham Potter here for deploying them in that way, which he abandoned again, I think, because I don't think that, I don't think that formation has survived a whole 90 minutes yet when he's tried it. I hate but to say it, but just, looking at it, there was pretty, it was pretty clear that wasn't going to work. No, 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 of course it wasn't. And it happened from literally, like you said, like, the, like we said, the, the first second of the game. Mm. And like, they just had this unbelievable amount of space to run into just by tucking those wide, those wide players in and mm. letting the, the fullbacks overlap. And it just caused Chelsea problems over and over and over again. Like, and I think that's why like, we made a little bit of a joke about it with the own goal stuff. But that's because Chelsea was so constantly scrambling towards their own back their own goal line. Yeah. Um, you know, they lost Kepper at half time as well, which I don't think he, he looked like he was injured from about half an hour in. Mm. I don't think he, I, I don't think he, it wasn't because of that, that the third goal went in that second own goal from Chalabar. No, 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 it's not. Um, because that, yeah. But the thing about Brighton, which is really interesting, is that, yeah, this is Deserby's first win. Mm. But I can't remember them playing that badly in any of the games that he's been there. They've had, you know, teething problems, let's say, here and there, but 
they were brilliant against Liverpool. Even like the games that they probably should have picked up points in, like against Forest, for example. There have been signs there that a result was coming. Played some great stuff against City as well. Yeah, they really did. And I think this was, you know, like the coming together of everything that we've seen so far under Deserbia Brighton. Mm. And I think it definitely played a factor that it was against Graham Potter and it was against, you know, um, Marco Correa, who obviously left in the summer. I think that definitely added a little bit of the the vibe to the mm. place. Um, Potter had a rotten reception. And so yeah. did a number of the coaches as well who went with him at Brian. Yeah, yeah. And Kukure as well. Kukure didn't seem to be having a fun, but fun I mean, time that, at all. That, that position is the worst of a possible world because it's, it stymies the things he does best. Mm. And you're kind of stranded, you know, you're stranded left centre-back and Sterling's ahead of you. So you've suddenly got, what, 40 yards to cover? Yeah, I mean, I think really? it maybe works if you have Ben Chilwell in front of you because Kukurea has done that role. Different... He's played that role, I think, for Brighton before under Potter. But, but it's um, not his best. It's not the best of his abilities. No, but it's, when, the best but it's, his, it's the know. same time. It's the same. We always reference that um, um, thing that Scalacci said when he joined Arsenal. He was just like, he just wasn't used to the, having that many people running at him through midfield. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's it, the yeah. thing that we see, like central defenders get exposed when the 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 players in front of them aren't doing their job. And right. you see that with, with wide centre-backs or left or right centre-backs or just centre-backs in general. Any yeah. of the, you know, if, you, if you're playing that system... No protection. You need protection, yeah. Especially because, like we said, like the man that... The, the players that you're supposed to be uh, defending against are moving infield and the players are just overlapping. Hate to say it, but they could no have help. before. They had, at the peak of that system, you had Azpilicueta and Reese James on the right. It was like chainmail, mm. right? And then yeah. you had um, Chilwell, fully fit Chilwell, and you'd have like a Christensen, for example, or Rudiger. Yeah, you had Rudiger. And you've gone from that to this. You've gone from Rudiger and Chilwell, fully fit Chilwell, to this. And I'm not knocking them individually, just that you've got like a what? A right-footed left, a right, you've got you're Sterling, a right-footed left, left wing back, who's not a defender protecting Cucurella, who is much happier on the flank and going up and down it and defending and tucking in there. I mean, it's, it's a recipe for, put it this way, if you look at, if you feed that into a, a simulation, 4-1 is the result you get out. It's like one of those things where you like, we simulated Brighton Chelsea 500 times on Football Manager. Yeah. And 497 of them were a 4-1 win. Absolutely a 4-1, nailed on. Yeah, yeah. Solly March was having the time of his life on that flank. Absolutely the time of his life. He really was. Yeah. And they were, they were spectacular. Brighton up to eighth, three points behind Chelsea in the league. Absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. They are two points ahead of Liverpool now. And they're good value for it. They are good they're value, good value, for, value it. for it. And um, yep, this league is... The Zerby ball oof, is starting to... Take root. Like I said, if, as Biggie once said, if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, are we going to talk about Chelsea or is this down to... Just basically a better side on the day, some injuries in key positions, maybe a tactical tweak that didn't really work very well. Yeah, I, or... think, I think that's all we say on it. I think because I think that's, it's as you'd expect. I think they still have to sort out that central midfield area. I think there's just mm. the moving parts. Kovacic lost its cheek. Gallagher alongside Mount. Gallagher I thought was really good actually um, in a slightly more advanced position and did some, was behind some of their best, their best work at Chelsea. Yeah. But yeah, all a little bit of um, a little bit transitional at the moment. Certainly, in the Premier League at least. Uh, should we bounce to? Which one to bounce to? Anfield. Anfield. We have to go to Anfield next. My God! Any other week, this is the headline fixture. Jesse Marsh was angry. He was sick of losing games that he played well in. <laughs> well, he got what he wanted at Anfield. Leeds coming away with a two-one win. And they were like, they wow. were, they've, been, they've been due this victory for probably a couple of years, actually. Just given what they put into the Premier League. It's a funny one. So, okay, Leeds, first of all, the headline here is with an excellent victory and the winner, the winner was achieved in such a true Leeds style. It's incredible because although um, Somerville gets the winner, the pressing by Aronson to hunt down Thiago and Van Dijk so they release the ball like to an area that's vulnerable is absolutely amazing. It's like, it's, it's like, <laughs> it was a one-man heist, actually, because 
Aronson's, Aronson's there. Thiago's like, oh, I'll play a simple ball. I don't know. Aronson's there. Bang. But like he carries on with the press, doesn't get complacent. Bang. And it's lost. Ball gets circulated. And then eventually we have a winner in at the near post. And it's actually a very, Ian will, Ian will enjoy this, a very Ian Wright finish actually. Outside of the right foot, early, side netting, no one has a chance to move. Hits it almost like on the up. So it's not sure if it comes off the laces or the high part of the shin. But the point is, it's just like, just the angle of the finish is brilliant. And I love to see Leeds winning in like such a Leeds style um, because that's what they brought to the Premier League. Right now, this is the Premier League kind of middle class in and around the tactical middle class. The Premier League is now so much stronger than it was before. I think we said it after the Arsenal game where, where it was just like, Liverpool really need to figure out a way to stop shipping goals early just mm. because... I think that when it happens so regularly, I think it can be really, really hard to get out of um, or to kind of just free yourself up to play football again if you're 1-0 if you're down mm. early and first again, if you go yeah. behind early. And the thing with Joe Gomez was just like, it was sloppy. It can happen to any team, but I think that when it happens to, to a team that's in the run of form like Liverpool are at the moment, anything like that is just like, see, this is the problem. Whereas this could happen in other times or good, good patches of form. I, there's something else, there's something else though, I think about this. I think you're right, but there's something else I feel, which is that Liverpool's thing, right? You look at like Man City, Man City have so much more depth in midfield, whatever. Man City have got so much more margin for error, right? So much more. How do Liverpool make up on the, on, on the margin for error, on the depth that, that City have and they don't? Liverpool make up for it with, as I said before, like intensity and focus and like, everyone just being absolutely drilled and taking care of everything. And that sort of headspace to be in, I think is actually, I think it's over the course of several seasons, it's like emotionally quite exhausting. The level you've got to be at, highly strung, highly strung, decision-making. And this is not a criticism of Klopp, it's saying that he's like, we can't match them for money, but we can match them for organisation, intensity. Everyone knows the job, everyone's drilled. So like when you talk about nerves, I think that's nailed on because Liverpool trying to build an aura every game and that's how they won the league the way they did right they, they built an aura they were brilliant and they were relentless and the whole thing is the opposition have to think we're relentless that's a very very tough thing to maintain and oh, you see it we talk about like it's, yeah. not, it's not necessarily the winning the first time that's the most difficult it's winning yeah. it the second and third so when a team is trying to build an aura and they make a mistake like that it's actually quite shattering because it's like emperor's new clothes it makes you like you're stripped a bit bare and mm. Liverpool's challenges, like they've always been a team, I think, and it, this is not a criticism. I think it's always been a team where it's fair to say that the sum of the parts is greater than the individual pieces. If you look at the individual pieces, some of the Liverpool teams the last, let's say, five years and the teams they've beaten, you might go, actually, that team's not better than XYZ, but the composite effect is so strong. And the reason it's so sad it happened to Gomez, actually, this mistake is because he's put in some outstanding performances recently. And now, hopefully, he won't reset to being oh, I made this howler. Hopefully he'll bounce back from it. But mm. the sad thing for Liverpool is they're making very, very hard work of winning and drawing games. They created a lot in this match, actually. They created yeah, a lot I of mean, chances. I, mean, I think this is the, actually, if you, if you talk about this, this particular performance and the Forest game, yeah. if they'd won both of those, I don't think anyone would be calling it a great, like a massive injustice. Which is almost because, worrying because they're making hard work of it. It would be better yeah. if they were making these nothing. These make easy work of teams. But I think this, exactly. is, this goes back to what you're saying about Aura, though. I think aura allows you to make easier work of sides. Yes. And yes, I think when the aura goes, everything just feels that little bit more difficult. It's almost like, you know, it's, it's, it's like going about your day when you've, when you've had like three hours less sleep than you should have. Mm. You can still get it done maybe, or, yes. but everything takes that little bit longer or everything feels that little bit more strenuous. And we've seen Liverpool sides before who just seem to kind of like just hardly even break a sweat and they're like three, four up. Mm. And then again, you know, they beat Man City a couple of weeks ago. So there have been good results in that. I just think yes. it's more, the last week or so has been a little bit concerning because they didn't give themselves any wiggle room. Mm. And then the Forest result, I think, definitely meant that they had to, well, the conversations went away from being title challenges to, Actually, are they going to are they going to make top four? And when that kind of stuff starts happening, it's like an added layer of not pressure, but again, just an extra an extra thing that they have to worry about. 
Because those, yeah, those teams aren't easy to push back. If you look at who they've got ahead of them, those eight teams ahead of Liverpool, Arsenal, City, Spurs, Newcastle, United, Chelsea, Fulham, Brighton. Some of those teams have weaker squ- uh, smaller squads, less well-resourced squads. But it's not, there's, a, there's a traffic jam around fifth place for Liverpool at this point. There's a real traffic jam around fifth, sixth place for Liverpool to get back in the mix. Not saying they won't, but it's a slog to get back up there. It's going to be a real slog to get back up at that mix, especially when you've got like, you know, young players, players in and out, injury, this, that. And it's a horrible word. Again, I've used the word transitional a lot of times already in this podcast, but for Liverpool, unfortunately, it's kind of a season where they're taking stock a bit. I mean, and also lo- losing uh, Diaz and Jota yeah, for the length of time that they had, that's huge. I think any, any, any yeah. team bar someone maybe like Man City would lose two players of that calibre, yeah. would miss two players of that calibre. But I think that for Liverpool, and it's a, it's a slightly different thing with Arsenal because I was going to mention Arsenal quickly in a little bit, but it's a similar thing. So I'm just using this. It's about, I, for example, I don't think Liverpool are going to finish, what, eighth, ninth in the Premier League? No, this no, season? no, 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 me neither. Um, but I'll be surprised like if I they don't finish think second. Arsenal, I don't yeah. think Arsenal are going to win the league. Mm. But what I think is for Liverpool and like Arsenal now, it's like, it's just about trying to get as many fucking points on the board as possible yes. up until the World Cup. And yes. then just like, dip for yeah, a bit yeah. refocus for Liverpool get some players back uh, we'll talk about Arsenal in a little bit but I just wanted to make that this because it's a similar it's a similar thing but it, with different scenarios do you know yes. what I mean Where, yes absolutely yeah like Liverpool just really need to get through this period now yeah absolutely they, right. they've, they've done it in the Champions League they can rest some players Napoli uh, I mean unless Liverpool beat them by five they're not going to top the group so they may as well just they may as well just rest some players I think they go to Spurs next week if they get a good result in Spurs that's obviously taking points off a rival yeah. and someone who may be fighting for third, fourth. The chance to climb back up into the mix. Know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I think for Leeds, this was a really good reward for, they've hung in some games recently mm. and they haven't really got what they've deserved out of them. Like, you know, they hung with Fulham. They weren't dreadful against Leicester. They, they deserved at least a point against Arsenal. And I think um, there could be a problem for teams this season and they needed that just to halt that run. Mm. Um, they've got Bournemouth next and I wouldn't be surprised to see Leeds put in a few more wins before the, before the World Cup. Yeah, and I think, look, I mean, this game, there's so many uh, performances that, to be praised. I'm loving Mark Rocker's role. There. I, I love that signing so much. Mm. Rocker coming over from, uh, I think, Bayern via, well, Espinel via Bayern. Um, some of the love was not just the win, it was great. Aronson's press was outstanding. Melier in goal was unbelievable. Just in terms of these, these legendary performances that goalkeepers put on, at like mm. big historic grounds. It's just one of those classics where, you know, like United would get this at United's peak. Some would turn up to Old Trafford and just have a worldie and stop everything. And he did the same thing. He was just spectacular. And I think there were one or two, and this is not to single out Liverpool strikers or players or whatever. Like there's one or two moments where you feel Liverpool could have done better, should have scored. Mm. But I don't want to take credit away from him in this moment because I think that you know, they, they call it a famous win and it was, but what this did to his transfer value. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. You know, there's, there's every, every now and again, there's a performance in Europe. You had it with, um, I think it was at Baldi over at, against PSG. He scored a couple of beautiful goals against them where there's one, go- there's one performance they have where it really makes the, uh, the player's transfer value just like explode. This will hopefully be like a pivotal moment for him. I'm not saying I want him to leave Leeds. I'm just saying if there's a contract renegotiation, do it sooner rather than later. Because this, uh, this boy's worth the money. Elsewhere in the Premier League, City beating Leicester 1-0 thanks to a wonderful Kevin De Bruyne free kick. Uh, Gosh, yeah. Kevin De Bruyne, man, is just so good. Spurs beating Bournemouth 3-2 after being 2-0 down. A couple of goals from Kiefer Moore. Beautiful goals. Yeah, really was, nicely taken. Really good, man. It was a good game, this, actually. Yeah. Uh, Bentan Kaur with a last-minute equ- uh, last winner. Sorry, Well, in stoppage time at the end of the game. Um, good to see him in the goals, you know. We've talked about this before, his contribution. So, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I think uh, Spurs didn't. I think Spurs deserved it overall, but they didn't really start playing a huge amount until the second half. But that second half performance was more than enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Brentford won. Wolves won. Uh, ben Me with an absolute worldie. Where'd that come from? Who's this guy? I think he is. He contains multitudes. Who does he think he is? Philip Mexes. Listen. Philip Mel. It's the power of wokeness. <laughs> That's what you get, kids. Stay that woke. Is a climate School worldies. neutral worldie. That's yeah, exactly. what that was. 
Uh, uh, Ruben Neves equalising for Wolves and then mm, oh what's this oh playing to the Stadio Stadio crowd oh 90 plus 7 Diego <laughs> Costa red card oh. <laughs> all my vitamins oh inject it would you like to taste it sir before before ordering well, no I think I'm good I know what this is, what this is. we've seen this before uh, Palace being Southampton 1-0 thanks to a wonderful Hudson Edouard goal yep. and uh Palace are just, we've said this before, man, but Palace are fun. Very much Palace so. are very fun. But uh, elsewhere, Almiron continues to, to be an absolute goal machine. Yeah. Uh, he's now scored, <laughs> I haven't checked the stats, but I think it's beauty. 98 goals in October. Miguel Almiron <laughs> uh, They beat Villa 4-0 and were very good. Very, very good. Obviously, Villa still without their new manager. Yeah, Newcastle are fourth. And good value for it. Uh, yeah, but the, the Almiron goal. Oh my God. It's just, we've talked about this before, we don't get into much, but I think calling him out, it was such a weird, it was such a random name to use. I know. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's going to go down as one of the, one of the most poor, intemperate Poor decision from poor Jack Grealish. Bad decision making, yep. Yeah. Uh, Fulham nil, Everton nil at Craven Cottage. And uh, to Sunday's games, Manchester United won, West Ham nil. Let's be, let's be brief on these because we're running a little bit long. We need to Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, but, lovely goal from United. Goodman for United, uh, Lissandro Martinez was excellent. He's Casemiro, you know, there's an amazing thing about the way Casemiro plays out, right? Mm. There's defensive midfielders who screen and there's defensive midfielders who initiate from deep. And the way that him and Rodri do this is just an education. It is an education. If you just watch him play out, because what's amazing is it's not just like when he does it successfully, it's the risks he takes. Mm. I think people forget that defensive midfielder is actually one of the riskiest jobs in world football. And Busquets, I think the generation of like Busquets, Casemiro, obviously Rodri, they, they've reminded us that actually this is a, it's a high risk, high reward. You look at some of the counters that uh, Casemiro was starting, particularly in the second half at United, it was pretty spectacular actually. And it's good mm. to see Rashford looking so hungry and so quick. Rashford oh, looks he, he looks in, fast. He looks in very good, Nick. Yeah. And shout yeah, out to the he, surgeons because they, they fix this man up good. They fix this man up good. <laughs> Strange uh, thing to hear at a hip hop gig. Uh, shout out to the surgeons at the shout back. Shout out to the surgeons. Shout out to John. Oh, no, it's David Getter vibes. <laughs> no, but it's just really great. Look, um, credit to him for getting back to um, that level of like, sharpness. He looks really, really sharp. Um, he was decisive again. Yeah, that interesting quote where he was saying that he wasn't really in a mindset for games last season and now he just feels like he is. Oh, headspace, sorry, which I think, um, yeah, I mean, anyone can relate to not yeah. being in a certain headspace to fulfill, you know, their job or do their job the best of their ability. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it happens at the highest level of sport as well. But, um, and the lowest level could... of podcasting. Oh. <laughs> Were West Ham unlucky? Did they deserve more? David De Gea was, was exceptional. He was exceptional. Yeah. And it's funny because I, you know, he didn't, get, he didn't make the 50 squad of 55. Didn't make the squad of 55 for Spain. Um, which is wild that a goalkeeper at a club as high profile as United is not in the World Cup. It's a damning indictment of how his form has fallen off. And I wonder if there was a moment after this game where he thought, that's who I am. That's what I'm capable of. How did I ever fall off this perch? Because this was David De Gea, his absolute best. Some of these saves were, were unreal. And West Ham, yeah, they missed a couple of good chances. But fundamentally, almost any other goalkeeper, when, when De Gea is in that form, almost no other goalkeeper in the world as good at stopping shots as that as that yeah he's um, a pure shot stopper yeah, yeah. But, but, but De Gea's challenges actually they've come from other parts of the game haven't they which has affected then the confidence of shot stopping um, yeah he was brilliant West Ham slightly unlucky especially that United did invite pressure with some of the changes that Ten Hag made there was a lot of criticism for Ten Hag not being more aggressive and assertive with his tactics but here's the thing there's been a lot of football in October and I think one thing we're not understanding so much when we see performances like this and coaching like this, we don't understand the wear and tear on the players, the sheer effort, the physical effort. And at a certain point, Ten Hag was like, I'm going to shut up shop maybe half an hour to go and just keep the one nil because he needed the one nil and he got it. And there was a lot of criticism about De Gea and like his players bailing him out. But I kind of think, I think we've normalized, as I said before, we've really normalized just how busy this this month is for for top teams. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're, yeah. for for everyone as well. And I think we should we'll, we'll talk about this on a, on an upcoming episode where we 
get into the World Cup stuff because we wanted to put it all in one episode. But I yeah. think the the congestion and having such a high profile, well, marquee tournament that only comes around every four years on the horizon in the middle of uh, you know the schedules is just really is just really messing with everyone. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But also, I think for us, like mentally, like I feel. You know, we're only a few months into the season. Mm. We're just over, what, we're, we're about a third of the way through the Premier League season almost. Yeah. With the World Cup on the horizon, it feels a little bit like, ah, uh, no, 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 no. I could really do, really do without this. I know that's a, that's, that's a lot of people are going to be like, okay, right, great. You know, you've got to talk about some football through the World Cup and stuff. But with, especially with everything that has been around this World Cup, which we will go into, mm. I'm struggling to think of a, of a World Cup that I've looked forward to. Can I be honest with you? Less than this. Can I be honest with you on the World Cup very quickly? This World Cup's already failed. I'll tell you why. So I was just thinking about this the other day, and I'm probably writing about this, but the World Cup basically, the number one aim of a World Cup, regardless of where it's played, when it's played, is the suspension of disbelief, right? You're meant to be able to watch the World Cup for a month and you disappear from everything and fundamentally just get into the football. That's not going to happen this time. The only question is the degree to which the World Cup has failed. Mm. It's already failed to make us suspend our disbelief because I cannot remember so many people telling me either online or in person as friends. So either friends of mine here in Berlin or people online, you know, strangers writing in who are like, we are not watching a single second of this. I cannot mm. remember that before. No, me neither. Can I say this actually very quickly about Qatar, right? When they got this World Cup, they had specific objectives for the tournament. This criticism, as sustained as it's been, was not one of them. I do no. not think for a moment... They thought this was coming. And I wonder if some of the smarter people in that administration were like, why don't we just stick to like being benefactors for the arts? Dude, I can't remember an off the field uh, issue in football being as widely discussed and critiqued on mainstream yeah. levels as much as this. Can't remember it. And you know, what's really striking because Australia obviously put out a really strong video. Mm. Um, the Australia men's team put out a video in advance of the World Cup about their concerns about the human rights issues, you know. When Zinedine Zidane comes out, and for me, this was the turning point. When Zinedine Zidane comes out and says, concentrate on the football, not the controversies, I was like, you never talk about politics. For you to come out and address this, for you to say this, actually, again, the really smart people in the Qatar administration would have been like, Zidane shouldn't say anything at all because silence is power. To come out and to be forced to speak politically, Zidane didn't talk about, you look at all that stuff in 98, you know, France and mm -hmm. the riots, all stuff that French went through, and Zidane stayed silent through all of it. And he's come out and talked about this. I'm like, it's got to be bad behind the scenes. So yeah, this World Cup has already failed. I might write an essay to that effect. It's already failed. The only question is to what degree. Because whoever wins, if it's Messi having his like, you know, his, 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 his final run at it and finally doing it. If it's Brazil, who've got that incredible attack. Or France with that incredible reconfigured midfield. Whoever wins this World Cup, the backdrop, it can't be wished away. And I think, what's, I think I something else has happened. Something else has happened. It's more general. It's not just about Qatar. It's about, I think, I think people are really smart. You look at what's happened in Brazil with the election and Russia with Putin, you know, invading Ukraine with his forces. I think a lot of people have wised up to how authoritarian states use the World Cup and how they use it as a kind of mask for getting worse. Because if you look at like, obviously, Brazil got the World Cup, they got more authoritarian. Russia got it, they got more authoritarian. People are looking at Qatar now and going, actually, the buck has to stop, has to stop here. And a friend of mine wrote to me and he said, We've really had to reassess how much we ignore in order to enjoy our spectacle, which I think oh, is, sure. you know, that's what they call growth. Anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway. I mean, we'll talk about that later. Another uh, time. Nearer the World Cup. But, you know, for now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> keep politics out of football, you fucking wokey. <laughs> Wokanda. Woke back mountain. <laughs> Woke back mountain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god anyway um can we talk about arsenal being top going into november because mm. i didn't like the stat though what's the stat the only other side that's had this many points after this many games in the premier league and not won the league was newcastle united that year <sighs> i don't like stats like that musa i don't like it i i caught myself for a split second you started to believe i, I believe just like literally it was like oh it was like two god. seconds and then i was just like no 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 no, no. Oh my god no, this, no, no. I was like fucking Paul Dano in the Batman. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't start to do this yourself. Don't do this to yourself. Because no, no, it won't. It was, it was short-lived. Do you know, I think um, City, 
uh, actually I was talking to some friends about this at the weekend, they were like, yeah, city can be got at. And it's like, yeah, they absolutely can. Absolutely. They are, they're, it's the depth issue though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's it's, uh, we were talking about Liverpool before about getting to the World Cup, right? Arsenal are very much like, I see this thing at the moment for Arsenal. And we'll talk more about this on Rises House, maybe, because we're mm. going to talk about Reese Nelson, I think. But um, this is very much like Arsenal getting as many fucking points as they can on the board because there will be a dip. We saw how, like, we saw how the collective intake of breath when Saka went off. Mm. There will be a few more injuries because wear and tear will happen, especially with this World Cup. And Arsenal are going to drop points. And what happened last season was that Arsenal were constantly, and it, it's felt like that for the last few seasons, Arsenal have constantly been getting into gear from a position of playing catch-up. And what they need to do this year is get as far out in front as possible for when the inevitable dip happens, because the dip will be cut less costly. Yeah, because City are coming. They will. Yeah, and we need to still remember, and I know that a lot of people, you know, goals change throughout the season and stuff like that, but the main goal was Champions League this year. Mm. I mean, if Arsenal can achieve more than that, then great. I saw a couple of concerns about Gabriel Jesus' scoring touch. Uh, me, but I'm then, not at all. I'm not concerned. Do you know why? Because the thing I love about him as a forward, he's a forward, not a striker. When I say a forward, yeah. I don't mean he, like, he can't finish. I mean that he is always generating something. Just because he's not scoring the goals, though, doesn't mean he's not contributing to it's them. Like, it's like Martinelli. Even, like Martinelli. Even. Martinelli's yeah. the great. Martinelli's the best example of a forward whose goal scoring and assist stats don't do him full justice. Even though he's got this like really great habit of scoring early at the moment, which is, I love it. Which is, but Martinelli is a great example of that where Martinelli could score four goals in 25 matches and be the most devastating forward. He could be the one that everyone came and talked about and was like, yeah, that guy unwound us, that guy unraveled us um, actually. So for me, I think with Arsenal, the key is, is the ball circulation, just keep the ball circulation high in the final third. And also just keep your creative players um, fit and sharp. And that's the thing. Odegaard not going to the World Cup is, is huge, actually. Yeah, it's but also players like, uh, you don't know how many of the Gabriels are going to go. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Benjamin White's not going to go. You know, there's some players who aren't going to go who are key to Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's good. But yeah, just uh, shouts to Reese Nelson because he was amazing. After the goal and when Saka went off, the rest of that first half was not, great and it mm. felt a little bit like oh, okay this is going to be one of those ones that unless Arsenal are three or four up with 20 minutes to go it's going to be really fucking nervy mm. but how they came out in the second half and and you know Odegaard uh, scoring as well great goal um, yeah just think it was it was exactly what Arsenal needed in that yeah, early yeah. stage of the second half and, and sure, I'd, sure. you know and a sign of um Good management for Mikel Arteta because, you know, I don't know, he probably got a light bulb out or something in that half time and was just like, or maybe did a little drawing. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, put the hands, put your hands together, feel the pressure, yeah. feel the pressure. Let's make a diamond. But you said before, like non, <laughs> you're so, sorry, so ridiculous. The, again, but these speeches are ridiculous for non-athletes, but we're not athletes. It's like, in the same way that yeah, like, yeah. I mean, not, yeah, we're definitely not athletes. Well, this is, this is the rule. This is the rule that, you know, like whenever I see a new kit now, I'm always like, yeah. I'm not judging until I see an athlete wear it because it's not for us, right? And when, whenever I see these speeches, I'm like, it's not for me. It's for people who actually mm. spend their lives obsessively focused on one specific goal. And that speech, that's why they love him, isn't it? Like, yeah. that's why it works. He's, he's great. He's great. Um, so yeah, Arsenal are top of the Premier League. Going into November, point clear, uh, two points clear of Manchester City. And the thing I like about this as well is that Arsenal, because of the the European stuff, Arsenal are having to win in order to regain top spot, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, now they are anyway after the uh, drop points against Southampton. So um, this is good. But uh, Arsenal go to Chelsea next week. So. Yeah, that's a big one. The trick is not to get drawn. You know what it is? With Arsenal now, they can't get drawn into the tribal stuff. You know, when a team's making mm. a run at a big title, a sustained run, it can't get caught up in the rivalries. Mm. Them be business. That's why the Derby performance is so impressive, actually, because they were like, it was businesslike, actually, mm. in a way that I hadn't seen them for a while. Where else should we bounce? Go to Berlin because Union was giving their poor scoreboard people a load of work to do in stoppage time at the end of this game because they had one winner at the end of the game against Gladbach, which was ruled out for offside. And obviously, for those who don't know, has an analogue scoreboard. So literally two guys in the scoreboard, 
take one takes out the uh, you know the number for the home team, the other for the away team. Like the we cricket, took out basically. The one, put in a two, and then VAR gave it offside. Took it out again, put in a one, and then a couple of minutes later, Union actually scored the winner. Amazing. And take it out and put it back in again. But, huge um, win for them. Keep them top of the league. Absolutely huge win because Bayern had gone top the day before um, and Gladbach had gone a goal ahead. And we're looking, do you know what, like pretty decent. Like Geraldo Becker had a goal ruled out for for Union um, uh, about half an hour in and then uh, Elvedi got uh, the opener for Gladbach just a few minutes later. Gladbach were missing quite a few players, but um, still I thought they did pretty well. Union top into November is huge. And they're good value for it. Again, like they, that's a fully earned, fully deserved. Elsewhere in Germany, Jude Bellingham with a winner, Dortmund over Eintracht. Really lovely goal. And he's just deep in his bag. I bumped into a, actually a, a friend's birthday of the night, a Birmingham fan who was just full of praise for Bellingham and just said, you know, that the end of the whole thing about like Bellingham, we've mentioned like the shirt being retired and everyone mocked. He said, if people understood mm-hmm. what Bellingham and his family had done to help Birmingham get that decent like fee, he said, that's why he's adored. So it's so, yeah. it's so good to see him thriving at Dortmund. He's been amazing again this year. Uh, Dortmund rode the luck a bit in this game, though. They did. They, they very, did. like, Adi Amy, how he, he didn't get a penalty given against him, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I can't remember who he shoved over, but he shoved over someone in the box, and uh, it didn't even go to VAR, I don't think. <laughs> Which was maybe it's the baby wild. face. Actually, maybe there like, was a wild. Um, there was, was a wild. Fear. There was there was a couple of wild decisions elsewhere. There was one in the um, in the LAFC game against Austin. Austin should have had a penalty. That, that uh, I mean, I think all season long, judging by what the commentators were saying, going by what has been given in in MLS this season, it was a mm-hmm. penalty, and then it just wasn't given. I, I don't really know why. Can I say but, that um, we can we add can we add Adiemi to the baby face eleven players who do dastardly things and because they've got this the innocent expression they get away with it yeah but he is a baby still he's 20 years old yeah but not every young but not every young but he's 20 but he doesn't look 20 he looks younger he looks more innocent like I genuinely think there's an 11 of players that look like nothing oh no that can't he can't have taken that the butter wouldn't melt 11 yeah he's at the bottom wouldn't melt 11 definitely Adiemi's in there I'm sure we've talked about this concept before we haven't done the 11 though not done the 11 no we haven't no it needs to be done yeah yeah I think think Rodri's in there as well to be honest I think Rodri's in there as well. No, Rodri looks too much like a, an account manager at a law firm or something. Legal services, yeah. Yeah. Anyone I'm who pro- has anyone who looks like they might actually take clients out for dinner it can't be in the baby face. And <laughs> um, Rodri definitely, definitely does. Yeah, Bayern beating mine six two on the weekend. And Freiburg beating Schalke on Sunday as well, which means top three as you were, and then Dortmund going into the top four after being untracked. Let's quickly go to Serie A. Uh, Torino upsetting Milan. That's huge. That's huge. It is huge. Yeah, yeah. 2-1. And also, to be honest, Milan, I thought Milan were quite lucky for their goal to stand. Um, yeah, that, that foul by Messi. It looked like a foul by Messi yeah. as, uh, as he went through. Yeah. Uh, Torino manager, Ivan Juric, uh, got, got two yellow cards in two minutes, which was just like one for the stadio algorithm. Yeah, Torino flew out to the early lead. That was the key after like mm. uh, about 35, 36 minutes. They were 2-0 up. And Milan's finishing was really poor. It was yeah. really poor. At nil nil, like yeah. one nil or nil nil, they, they slashed a couple. Yeah, Rafael Liao had one at nil nil, which was yeah. A really he had a couple good actually. He had a couple left. of yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, bad loss for them because Napoli played Sassuolo. And this is the thing: Napoli, my two favorite Napoli fixtures, um, are coming back to back. So Napoli Sassuolo is one of my favorites. And my other favorite favorite Napoli fixtures: Napoli Atalanta, which is next week. Which is next weekend. Which yeah. is one versus two. Um, good win for Atlanta over Empoli, 2-0 away, um, and Napoli beating Sassuolo 4-0 with early goals and also a hat-trick from Osimen and Quaratskalia, just outstanding again. Probably the outstanding player in Serie A so far this season. I'm not even sure it's that much of a... It's not even that close, I think, just because of what mm-hmm. he's brought in Europe as well as in uh, Serie A. He's been outstanding uh, throughout. So yeah, great win for them. Great to see Osimen just back from injury and fully firing. But yeah, At- Napoli Atlanta next week is the big fixture, and it's normally a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, it usually is. Um, let's quickly go to La Liga. A Sunday night, I watched uh, Real Sociedad against Betis, which was good. Two goals from uh, two late goals from Betis. 
Two to three in a row in the league for Real Sociedad now. Who were doing really well to be, everyone started paying attention to them. <laughs> and exactly. Now like, everyone was just like, oh, Real Sociedad haven't lost for a while. And then they're just like, well, oh, guys. Oh, no. Just, oh, no. Money our business. What are you yeah. doing? What are you doing? Um, Barcelona with a late, late winner from Robert Lewandowski in Valencia closed the gap to a point on Real Madrid who were held at home to Girona. Although I think Girona were extremely lucky to get a penalty here. It was a bit, I felt a little bit yeah. harsh. Yeah, I thought, I thought kind so. Kind of ricocheted off, uh, who was it? Was it Asensio that it hit? Was it? Not sure. Asensio, I think, yeah. Hit his chest and then onto his, ha- onto yeah. his hand. I felt it was a little bit harsh, to be honest. One thing but, I want to uh, say about this game very quickly, Vinicius is an amazing poacher for a winger. Yeah, he's so the good. The goal that he scored yeah. was very much the same as the Champions League final goal. Like the... Mm-hmm. Valverde driving across the box and then him finishing. I just thought it's so good to see like this old school, just really nice to see a winger be so proactive in like a number mm. nine space. I just love to see it. That's all. Tony Crow's red, by the way, before we go, Tony Crow's oh, red. Oh yes, Tony yeah. Crow's red. The first ah, one of ah, his career. Ah, uh, ah. Second yellow, absolutely deserved. And he fucking loved it. He's, they got me. He they got me. Oh it. no. He was Let's like, whatever. He's like, yeah. Tony Crow's I've done, I've done it all. <laughs> Although I think he did enjoy it. Yeah, you're right. I think he, he didn't care, but he loved it. He's probably still watching the highlights. Just on loop. <laughs> oh God, my dream, my dream. It took him a while, but finally Atleti succumbed to the curse of Cadiz. Mm. Interesting, actually, because Cadiz had that amazing run where they kept taking points off, off Barca and, and Real Madrid. They mm. never actually, I don't think they've taken points off Atleti. Mm. They waited until the 99th minute to do so here. Ruben Sabrino at the back post to win the game for Cadiz. Although, very, very, very easily could have been ruled off, ruled out as well, because it looked like it kind of came handball. See, where have you heard that before? I wouldn't say traumatic, but two brutal late defeats for them. Yeah, the very, now. very brutal. And yeah. I don't know, man, I think Atleti are a little bit all over the place at the moment. Even oh, when very they much weren't, so. Even when they weren't necessarily, when they had that dip in form after their COVID outbreak, was it last season or season before? Uh, I still could see what they were trying to do now I'm really struggling like Jao Felix coming on was yeah. clearly their best player when he came on he gave them so much more that last half hour but this Axel Witzel at centre back still I mean I know they've had some injury problems but like I'm not sure that that is the one you know it's grim yeah exactly there's a lot of <sighs> this has been coming for a while Mm. This run of results is fine. Like the max, the ma- the the run of results is now matching the run of indifferent performances. I don't know where they go from here, to be honest. But we'll see. We'll see. Hey, um, anything you want? Anything else you want to touch on before we go? Uh, no, I think we're pretty good. No. I think we're good. Uh, more Champions League this week in Europa League, obviously. Um, so we'll deal with the Champions League on Thursday. You and I will be on Wright's house. We will on Tuesday. And um, other than that, I think that is everything. Good. Let's do it then. It's bounce. Uh, everyone staying safe and well. And yeah, don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, play out on a new, brand new release from Exaltera called Afterworld. It's out now. We tweeted the link from our Twitter account the other day. Mm. Um, absolute banger. Anything you want to add me to a No, actually, I'm good. I'm good at this sure. point. Yeah, yeah. All good. Sure, there's nothing. I see nothing. <laughs> no books out this week? Not this week, no. No translations? <laughs> no, no, not this week. In the end, it was all about love got translated into Klingon. It's out <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're sending copies to the home world. <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. Much love. Have a good week. And we will be back with you on Thursday. See you then. <laughs>